Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to the Read This, Watch That podcast. I'm Anthony. I'm Dale. And this is a bit of a special episode, isn't it? It is. This is special. This is nothing we planned. Uh, probably nothing that would have been on the, the lists, at least, at least for years. Uh, but we are going to talk about a 2008 film called Defiance. Starring Daniel Craig, Lee Schreiber, Jamie Bell, and a bunch of other people. I don't know their names. Um, <clears throat> directed by Edward Zwick. Now, as we record this, the Ukraine, or Ukraine, is fighting for its life against uh, uh, Vladimir Putin. And aside from donating money, there's not a lot average Americans can do and I'm certainly not saying doing a podcast is is you know <laughs> any great contribution to the survival of Ukraine but we thought we'd take a look at a resistance movie and since the the one I recall uh, having watched previously was D- Defiance this 2008 movie that tells the story of a family called the Bielskis and it takes place, it begins in 1941. And uh, they are, the geography confuses me. I believe they are Polish Jews, but in a part of Poland that was taken over by the Soviets when the Soviets and Nazi Germany had their non-aggression pact, Germany invaded, you know, came from the, came from the West and, the Soviet Union thought they'd come from, from the East. And so before hostilities between those two nations broke out, I believe this had been part of Poland. And I believe today it's part of Belarus. But um, like I said, the geography, <laughs> the, the shifting borders and the geography kind of confused me. Yeah, it did to me as well. Although they did, it, it was interesting. Um, and we can, we can get it, talk about this a little bit about part of the movie as well but there were clearly times when characters were speaking a different language right right than the ones that allegedly our main characters were speaking and it wasn't clear to me whether it was um you know it was they were speaking polish and the others were speaking russian or whether they were speaking belarusian and the other ones were speaking russian i, I have no idea at all whether there's a difference in dialect perhaps I know, for example, that Ukrainian is different from Russian. Right. It is a Cyrillic language, but it's it's definitely different from Russian. So I don't I don't know that that distinction. And yes, I kind of agree with you. It's an unfortunate part of the world that is different times Polish, Russian, German, who knows. I had watched this movie probably over a decade ago with with my son. And um, so when we talked about this idea of just kind of highlighting a movie that that kind of addressed resistance, David versus Goliath type of situation, this one just came to mind. I'm, I know there are others out there, but I thought this one was readily available on, I think, HBO Max and probably for rents on Prime. So I just chose it. You watched it. You had never seen it before. I had not, no. 
what are you what were your initial thoughts while you were watching it? Um I was so I, I had I had three primary thoughts. So one was I felt cold and wet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um which I thought I thought they did a really good job of giving you that sense of being outside in that part of the world in, you know, the, the, uh, you know, early spring, late fall and, and, in and in winter. Um, I, you know, perhaps watching it and thinking about what's going on in the Ukraine, I was also, you know, movies are escapism, right? And so you, you kind of just, accept certain things and and enjoy the escapism whenever you watch um a movie even in from my perspective frequently when you're watching historical historical dramas and only in a few instances in my experience have they really kind of brought you i guess out of that escapism and, and made things seem real um I don't think that this movie really did that, but watching it and thinking about um, um, what was going on or what is going on right now in the Ukraine um, gave me a little bit, it, it kind of got me beyond that, um, a little bit beyond that um, uh, escapism element of watching a movie um, and reminded me about how how personal and significant these large-scale world events can be and reminds me of the importance of every individual person. Um, and I thought that as I watched this movie, that was one of the things that was going on in the, in the back of my head. But ultimately... Um, I didn't think that the movie was particularly good as a as a movie. So those That's, were my those were my three basic reactions. Yeah, I think it's a good movie, but nothing nothing special. It's fine. Uh, the acting's yeah, you know, there's some good actors in it. Yes. Um, maybe a tad uninspired is a good way to say. Mm what was going on here and the director Zwick is or you know that's not his first rodeo he's i didn't recognize the name but i certainly recognize some of his work he directed about last night the 80s rom-com he directed legends of the fall and the last samurai which have kind of an epic uh, I, I those are two i think problem legends of the fall I kind of liked what he was trying to do, but I thought it, it kind of failed as a cohesive story. Last Samurai, Samurai, I think, gets bogged down a little bit. He did Courage Under Fire, however, and Blood Diamond. So, you know, this is a professional director. I just found it uh, a little a little by the numbers in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. But I, unlike you, I thought it was a solid, you know, a fine, a fine movie, just nothing... Nothing beyond that. Competence. Certainly the topic was kind of fascinating. It's about 
it's about these three brothers named uh, Bielski. There's actually a fourth brother, the younger brother, but he doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> you just, uh, so, just thrown out one of my core one of my core takeaways from the movie that everybody <laughs> matters. <laughs> uh, it's really about uh, Daniel Craig, who's Tuvia, Lee Schreiber, who's Zush, and Jamie Bell, who's I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Asael, A S A E L. I'm not sure. Yeah. The younger, yeah, the younger brother is Aaron, but the reason he really doesn't <clears throat> play a big role in this is because I looked up when I was watching this. I assumed Tuvi was the oldest. You know, Daniel. I'm going to use their names. Daniel Craig was the oldest, followed by Lee Schreiber, followed by Jamie Bell. If you did uh, Jamie Bell, I only know him from Turn, which is a, a pretty good. Uh, series regarding Washington's spy ring during during the American Revolution. He starred in that. And Aaron. However, when I looked him up on Wikipedia to get their their birth dates, um, Tuvia is thirty five. The Jamie Bell character is thirty three. The Lee Schreiber character is twenty nine. <clears throat> really? Well, yeah. <clears throat> I just assumed it was you know. Older brother, next oldest, then the young, almost kind of innocent I- idealist, and then finally the younger brother. Well, they, but they did. I mean, I think that that was <clears throat> a bit of um, poetic license on the part of the movie makers because I, I, I believe Lee Schreiber in the first scene where they come together refers to him as older brother. So I think for ah. the purposes of the movie, you were supposed to view Daniel Craig as the oldest. Well, Daniel Craig is the oldest. Oh, I'm, no, I'm saying the Jamie Bell character, that that third older brother is actually older than the Leif Schreiber character, even though when you watch it, he, he looks much younger. You said that Tuvia was born in 35. No, no, no. I'm saying Tuvia. <laughs> We're getting bogged down in this. Tuvia oh, was 30. How could he have been born in 35? No, in 19. When this, in 1941, Tuvia was 35. Ah, yeah, right. Of course, that makes more sense. Why would they be? Yeah, if they were 35, they would be kids. Right. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a lot of poetic license. That's a lot of poetic <clears throat> But sure, basically. Some kids too. And, and, and the, one of the kind of almost characters in this is this forest, which is. Apparently, you know, a large area of forest and swamps, but it's not, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's almost like this magical forest. Yeah. There's, there's towns within the forest. Minsk borders the forest. Even so, even though there's this, you know, large forest, they're not isolated exactly when they're in the woods. I'm sure there's places that are more isolating, but they would be able to walk to a road or even walk to a town to, you know, commandeer supplies. Yes. And even I think there's a scene where they go to try to coax some people who were still in the Jewish ghetto to come to the woods and live. But let's I'm just going to give a quick. It's so it's just a story of these three brothers Um one night they return home. Their parents have been killed. They figure out that the parents have been killed by the local police chief, 
who is basically working for the Nazis. He's a collaborator. They take to the woods with a plan on, you know, I don't know if they have a plan exactly at the beginning, but to live in the woods. And then gradually over the course of a few days, as the Nazis are purging the area, they're stumbling across more and more refugees and ultimately they don't turn anyone away. Right. And they attempt to, during the course of the war, live in the woods. Right. When I first mentioned this movie to you, my memory played some tricks on me. Yeah. When I talked about it, I, I thought it was about a group of resistance fighters but it's really not. Uh, their encounters with the Nazis and the collaborate, you know, the, the local, the, the local force that, that that the Nazis are using, um, kind of few and far between. They're they're really their goal is to save save Jews. Uh, it, it, they weren't a partisan group whose sole purpose was to take action against the enemy. But if you asked me, you know, before I rewatched it, I would have said, oh, yeah, they, <laughs> it's a partisan group. They're sabotaging the Nazis. They're attacking Nazis. They're going after Nazis. But really, the, the, what they were really doing was simply trying to survive. Yes. Um, yes. So so that that kind of surprised me in a way. I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? Your memory does play. Your memory plays tricks on you. This is really more of a survival movie. But, you know, there is resistance. They get, you know, they have to uproot and move. But, um... well, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting that, that I, in that regard, you're, you're making me think. I, I, I think that the, because when, when, when you said, oh, let's, let's watch this movie, I, I kept kind of saying, what's this movie called again? Is it called Resistance? Is it called Defiant? You know, what, what's the name of the movie? But, after watching it, I think the title is is quite good because the defiance of this group of people was in their act of neither submitting right to the Nazis nor just you know turning around and fighting, but the defiance was to maintain their community. Yes. Yes. Right. And I think That's right. that, and, and I think that that may, it, it makes the number one, the, the title, you know, it struck with me after I watched the movie. Um, and it's also um, a really interesting, um, a, a, you know, moment in history that, and this is one of the reasons I don't think the movie is particularly good. I, I don't think that they really, really focused on that as much as they could have. Um, in, well, instead, they kind of, they, they used it rather as a, in my view, as I watched the movie, this was one of the things that disappointed me is they used it in, instead as the um, wedge between um, uh Tuvia and Zeus, right, kind of drove them apart, but also ultimately brought them back together, which um, was kind of fine in and of itself. But I, I felt a little bit of a distraction. I think that I think you're right. That's a, I think that's a good point. 
the defiance is in not just surviving, but building a community. And even though there's various points where they have to uproot camp, and you know, at the end, I, I believe they they said there was about twelve hundred yeah. these people. Yeah, but they had you know they did the, their best to have schools and shops. Um, you know, uh, they at one point in time, I was this is not necessarily in the movie, but I was reading an article at one point in time. Their camp was so close to the the Red Army's camp that the Bielski partisan group, their tradesmen, were repairing Russian equipment. Oh, is would, that right? They, yeah, they would repair guns and kind of you know the the leather and and things of that, and the shoes, the boots. Um, so they were that close, like just a, just a mile or two away. So again, they're they're not isolated, you know. <laughs> It's funny. Um, one of the things this made me think about was when I was a kid, I think my parents remember the miniseries Holocaust? Vaguely, yes. Yeah, I never, I've never seen Holocaust. My parents watched it. It was a big one of those miniseries that you know, everyone was watching it. But I do remember a couple scenes of people being rounded up, and it was kind of frightening thinking about official looking people coming to your house you know, taking you away, Mm, mm -hmm. separating you and things like that. And I'd be like, Oh, I just run into the woods. That will solve everything. (laughs) And they do the, the Bielskis do escape to the woods. And that's, that's not, doesn't solve everything. It's just the start because, you know, I just the, 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 what they have to face by living in the woods, I'm, I'm thinking of this in terms of these are real people and this did happen. You know, you got nature, you have the elements, uh, you, you're outside a lot. Uh, you know, you got cold and damp and at one point typhus makes its way around the camp. Yeah. You have to scrounge for food. Um, I, I mean, you have to get clean or, or you know, you're looking for water. Not necessarily, you know, clean water. Um, so that can cause illness. And on top of all that, <laughs> you know, not only are you dealing with Nazis trying to chase you down, but there's internal strife in yeah. the camp as well. And all this is going on. And meanwhile, they're 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 holding classes, they're holding religious ceremonies, they've organized to a certain extent. And it's just amazing to me that people did this and live to tell about it. I agree. I, I think it's, it, it's a, it's a story that is in many, in, in some respects, you know, richer and more compelling than um, another fairly recent, you know, movie about the, um, the Holocaust that, um, I think it is a better movie, but also certainly got a whole lot more fanfare, which is Schindler's List. But the the story that's focused on in this movie, I think, is a lot more in 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 a lot of ways, just a lot more interesting, and it's also a lot more um, focused on the power of community, right, and the power of people with. Uh, 
share whatever it happens to be history um you know family relationships religion um being able to come together and maintain in the face of overwhelming obstacles um is is to me just incredibly compelling right whereas schindler's, schindler's list there were some elements of that definitely shown in that movie, but it was also about this guy, right, who did everything he could um, to save these, these, ultimately did everything he could to save these people, whereas this was these people coming together to save, save themselves, when I say save themselves, not just as individuals, but as a community, which I think is just remarkably compelling and a testament to the positive things that can come out of people coming together and forming communities, right? I mean, there's lots of bad stuff that we do when we come together and form communities. Um, but there's also really great stuff that can come out of it. And I think that this story is about that. And again, it's one of those things is a little bit disappointing to me with the movie that there wasn't as much focus on that as there was about the strife between Daniel Craig and Lee Schreiber and kind of the, you know, Nazis showing up and trying to kill everybody from time to time and things like that. <laughs> the Nazis dropping in to say hi. Yeah. Exactly. And they have to scatter. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think for the dramatic element, you probably do need, uh, you probably do need the, 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 the strife, the strife between the brothers, but you need something you... you need. And, and I don't, and I don't fault them for finding the something, right. It, it didn't work for me is, is how I would, I would say, but I, I agree. I mean, as you and I have talked many times, there's, there are things that sometimes you need to do to, to tell a compelling story in an entertaining way. And okay, do that. I, I get it. It just, it, it didn't work for me. Did you like the um, two intellectuals, the young intellectual and the older one? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, and not. I mean, there there was. <laughs> I, there, it was it's interesting. It was both too much and not enough of them. <laughs> I, 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 I thought that they were a little bit around for comic relief at times. In the beginning, yeah, In yeah. The beginning, and then it kind of they kind of evolved into right that that compelling. Um, demonstration of community, but I, I didn't think it was enough, quite enough of that. Um, and I think that, that, that it was a little bit too much of them because they were there for comedic relief at the beginning. It, it was difficult to see how they became important and compelling. And I and it was just a, it was it, it, again it's one of those things that I I thought I, well I think maybe they were trying to do too much with those characters and they should have just kind of chosen the one pathway and, and focused on that instead of them trying to be a little bit of co comedic relief in the beginning. Oh, you know, what happens when you put a couple of intellectuals in a forest, right. Kind of thing. Um, uh, and kind in, in, you know, kind of chosen one or the other. Okay. Let's make them comedic relief and let's just make that part of the story be that, or these probably are important people within that development of the community because the movie did the movie really is all um exposition in a sense because what you were talking about before i think you know 
getting 1200 people and starting a library and a you know hospital and, and a school and all of that that all happens after the movie ends um, um a lot of it does yeah or most, but, but yeah most in between it. you see that they are i think they are doing some <clears throat> doing some teaching um and, and trying to do prayer services and things like that but but for the bulk of the movie um all that's very very you know if we can squeeze it in great because they're just they're just looking for you know food right you know trying right. to daily survival right which is interesting because i noted about I, I believe i noted about halfway through the movie it's still like december of 1941 <laughs> and i was thinking my god we're just like barely in the war yeah and it feels like they've been in the woods forever and they still have about two more years to go. Probably the Russians, what, are pushing the Germans back mm-hmm. sometime in like 43. So they uh, still have... Yeah, 43, <clears throat> 44 probably, yeah. They still have, you know, years left in the forest. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you don't see the ultimate... You, you never get to see the kind of the 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 ultimate conclusion of this, this forest community with, with you know the schools and the shops and you, you see a little bit. I think one, one guy was repairing a pistol at one point, but nothing like the reading I did makes it out. Um, so you're right. It's, it's after the movie where they, they keep continue to gather more and more people till it's about 1200 and they essentially are, are building their own village in the, in the woods. Right. Right. Um, the the other thing that struck me just from a well i want to hit the in the you talk about the ability to kind of not just survive but actually try to recreate as best as possible your actual community a lot of that has to do with in the movie um you know i can't make any any claims for reality but a lot of that has to do with just with the Daniel Craig character. Yes. He is just this kind of serious, no-nonsense guy that exudes a certain, you know, you you respect him and exudes a certain type of competence that you'll just follow him. Yeah. Whereas, Whereas the... The other main brother, Zeus, or Zeus, the Leif Schreiber character, he's also a compelling guy, but he's he's reckless. He, uh, you know, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's daring. He's reckless. And then you have the third brother, the Jamie Bell character, who is this. Don't know how to describe him. Kind of comes across as very gentle. <clears throat> Yes, almost um, innocent, kind of noble, kind-hearted, but a fighter. He fights. He's not. He's not. Uh, but he just doesn't have the leadership quality that his other, uh, in various ways, his two brothers do. And it got me to thinking about this dynamic. I know there's a fourth brother, and some of these stories, there's there's a fourth or even fifth sibling. But from a storytelling perspective, this kind of three brothers, three sisters. I was thinking, you know, the, you know, you go back to like Michael, Sonny, and Fredo, right? 
yeah. and you see this kind of dynamic of you know the serious one the reckless one and then the third one fredo of course is played kind of like a clown here the third brother's not a clown but he's very different from his older brothers but then in the line in winter which we hope to do you got richard john and jeffrey all distinct personalities playing off one another you got the sons of katie elder and you got hannah and her sisters those three and it seems almost like a uh just a trope to have these siblings and in a lot of ways they're very different and it's recurring it's recurring it's always recurring i just find that that kind of fascinating and i never had really thought i mean when we talked about it with the godfather yes you think about even to an extent king lear you have the three daughters although the two uh goneril and and reagan their personalities i don't recall their personalities being you know somehow distinct other than they were kind of evil right um, right right <laughs> but i was thinking what a great you know it's such a cornerstone of so much storytelling and you can yeah. almost put these this trio of brothers or sisters, um, you know, plop them down into categories. You know, you got the, I believe in Hannah and her sisters, you had kind of like the the older one who was, you know, happily, as far as she knew, married and seemed kind of content and successful. Then you had the other one, <laughs> the Diane Weiss character, who always seemed like a mess. Great and, character, yeah. And, and then you have great actors too. Yeah. And then you had the um, the uh, oh um, the actress who played um, you know, she's in the Natural. Why am I blanking on her? Who played the one that Michael Caine has an affair with? Oh, uh, Barbara Hershey. Barbara Hershey. She's kind of the liberal free spirit type and this kind of like just repeats over and over again uh, the, the the personality categories might differ a little bit here or there but it seems it's it's quite a i mean sunny is zeus yeah michael is tuvia you know yeah and, and richard the lionheart is zeus jeffrey is tuvia john is fredo you know and you go down and it's it's really you know, I, I I guess I never I knew this, but never really thought about it as such a cornerstone of so many stories. Yeah, I wouldn't refer to any of Richard, Jeffrey, or or John as Tuvia personally. <laughs> but that being said, the the analogy is I think is a is a is a good one, and it and it's it's interesting because I guess siblings are really a good formula, or excuse me, a good foil for exploring different perspectives and personality traits right to in in a story right to create some tension makes sense tension conflict yeah has it all one yeah. of i don't want to I, I don't intend on going through this like you know act by act because in the broader sense they're in the woods they're trying to survive um there's some internal strife in the camp um, occasionally they get pushed back well, have to have to outrun the have it, to run Nazis there's there's um, what were you gonna say well I was gonna say just I think maybe to 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 set up um, a little bit of the quote so there, there is it it, it 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 didn't I didn't quite understand the tension between 
uh, Daniel Craig and, and Lee Schreiber at the beginning that, you know, there was, so Lee Schreiber and his young, and the youngest brother go running off, or the two younger brothers go running off into the woods. And then Daniel Craig shows up because he had moved to another town, I think. Um, and he came back presumably to check in on his parents and there was clearly some tension there. Um, and ultimately the tension between the two of them breaks down on the basis of Daniel Craig wanting to create a safe haven for everybody and take care of everybody and create a, create help to create this this community ultimately create a community which i don't think that he had in his mind at least as presented in the movie which i thought was was interesting and it was it was a good good part of it he kind of didn't know what he was doing it kind of evolved and became something more than i think what he he anticipated at the beginning um but leave schreiber or zeus he just wants to fight the nazis he wants to let's go kill some nazis <laughs> yeah they're over there let's go kill them. So, they're nazis <laughs> yeah i don't think they explain the the tension the initial tension between the two yeah if they do i missed it and the later tension is uh, you know initially he he wants his uh lee schreiber wants his this is about the family the family surviving we got to keep moving it's better if it's four of us, you know, we can move faster. We right. need less food, et cetera. And, and uh, Tuvia just keeps collecting people. Right. And he t- doesn't turn them away. Sick, old uh, people with infants, every type of person is going to make, make, lo- it's a logistical nightmare. Yeah. It's a complete logistical nightmare. And I, I guess that's the tension between the two that, that, Schreiber just say, hey, come on, let's all go. We all hate the Nazis. Let's go kill some Nazis. <laughs> um, but and he he goes and he joins uh, the partisans. Who he are... does he does flee and joins the um, basically joins the Red Army, right? That has a partisan acting partisan group in the area, right? Right. Yeah. So he goes and joins the Red Army, and and he he. And Daniel Craig stays with the community. They live through a winter. It's hard times. And um, in the movie, I'll say, Lee Schreiber comes to recognize that, um, you know, the, the, the communist dictates um, don't necessarily always jive with protecting your family, <laughs> we'll say. <laughs> <laughs> we're your family now <laughs> right um and so he becomes um through a series of events becomes truly disillusioned with um the red army um and ultimately returns to returns to the community and um and that's the that's the reconciliation and in the meantime daniel craig as the leader of this community faces their own internal strife within the community as to as to what's going on um and so you have those two kind of parallel narratives going on although it's focused primarily on the community because there are more people that you're interested in 
um, Leif Schreiber's just out there killing Nazis. Um, and they and they ultimately come back together when the community is fleeing a particular part of the forest and um, goes to eventually um, the spot where they will set up this more permanent community, um, which is what I was referring to when I when I said that the, the movie is is kind of all exposition to get you to the start of the creation of this this community. Um, and of course, the the movie does is it it creates that sense of community before they actually build the the, the physical community. Right. Um, I think is 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 the goal, and I think it I think it arguably does that all right. It, it it's just it doesn't quite do it as well as I as I thought it could. I guess the way I put it. But that that's the basic story of the movie. Am I am I missing any kind of core components of it? No, that's it. It's 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 not. In the broad sense, it's not a terribly complicated movie, right? Um, what did you think about? I was thinking to myself, "Son of a bitch!" You know, what did you think about this concept? Not not everyone does it, and certainly uh, the Bielskis in the movie are, aren't approving. But this concept of a forest wife. Oh yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so. <laughs> Apparently, some of the men would offer to protect a woman for for certain services, calling them their forest wife. Um, but it always seemed like, well, you know, while we're in the forest, uh, right. we can't make any guarantees about the future. And I'm thinking to myself, Jesus Christ, Nazis are ex- trying to exterminate, you know, whole ethnic groups. You're on the run. You know, you don't know where your next meal is coming from. The Nazis could be over the next ridge ready to obliterate you. And you're still thinking about getting laid and basically coercing women into being your 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 maids. I was like, Jesus. (laughs) It was kind of bizarre. This is unbelievable. (laughs) It was my God. Sometimes I just I'm ashamed to be a man. Appropriately, yeah. <laughs> one of the I thought there was two really good scenes that I think without these scenes or without doing these scenes as well as they did, uh, you know, I would have said this is you know for take it from a good movie to be to be kind of like eh, it's a mediocre movie. One is Tuvia goes to the home of the police chief who's responsible for the death of his parents. Yes. And he executes the guy. Yes. And he executes the guy while he's at the dinner table. His two sons, who are also in the police force, are there and the wife. And, of course, both sons begin to get up and they get a bullet to the head each. The wife is left there with two dead sons and a husband. And you can see the driving passion for revenge on his face. And you can also see... uh, I thought Daniel Craig... I don't necessarily, I always, I usually like Daniel Craig, but I never think of him as kind of a great actor that with a broad range of skills playing all sorts of, you know, you know, um, yeah. he's not the kind of guy who would play the Dustin Hoffman part in Rain Man. Right. You know, he's right. not, right. <laughs> uh, but I always like him. I, I think yeah. he, uh, yeah. But in that scene, I think you see that real kind of struggle between I just killed people. But I wanted to. Yeah. 
I, I want to kill. Oh, well, at least the police. Do. I don't know. Do you think he would have killed the sons if they hadn't started to get up and reach for their weapons? I don't think so. I don't either. I don't get that impression. No. But you see that almost half disgust at what he's done, but also half, I came here to do this. I did it. Time to leave. And with the wife begging him to kill her, too, he just leaves her. Right. I thought that was a good scene. The- I agree. I, I agree. And, it, and I got to say, it was towards the beginning of the movie. And it actually filled me with a little bit of hope about the movie. I was kind of like, oh, wow, because that really was a good scene. I mean, that it, there was a there was a lot going on there. Um, everything that you 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 talked about. Plus, as I was watching it, I was thinking about it saying, oh, you know, it's interesting because even by this point, you know, the, the characters of the of the two main brothers of Lee Schreiber and Daniel Craig. And I was thinking to myself, it's interesting that it's Daniel Craig who did this and not Lee Schreiber. I think he pulled rank, right? Is that what he I, I don't know what exactly how that played out, but it was this I kind of I kind of like, oh, well, this this could be interesting because he's he is getting revenge yes i thought he pulled rank as like i don't think you see it but i my impression was he's the oldest child he's doing it he's gonna do it yeah i mean maybe that very well you know could be could be what it was but it was this i thought it was i thought it was a really interesting scene and i was i would i i thought it was gonna be i thought the i i i thought it it, it 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 um i i thought that the movie was going to go in a slightly different direction from that scene where did it where curious well, i i thought it was going to go it was going to go darker when it came to the brothers and i thought that maybe it it was going to be essentially a coming of age story for the two brothers um and for daniel craig in in particular and they never really did that because he almost and this was another one of those moments in the film that i i I became disappointed in was um shortly after that happens um I think he and he and Liv Shriver have a an argument about you know bringing you know people who are not particularly helpful in, into into the camp, and then there's this I thought very poorly done scene of them arguing about what they're doing and what's going on, kind of in front of a bunch of people. Yes, and and everybody else gets into the argument as well. We should you know we should go kill Nazis. No, we should you know we should try to you know, protect ourselves in the forest. No, we should go back to the ghetto, right? This, this, everybody's making their argument. And then somehow Daniel Craig has this epiphany of we're not going to be murderers. We're not going to do these horrible things. We're going to create a community. And I remember thinking to myself, well, didn't he just murder a bunch of, a bunch of people in cold blood? Um, and it just, it kind of really fell flat and it, and his transformation that way, I felt, was just too immediate. And it was done, I suspect, in order to create the dramatic inten- uh, tension between him and Liev Schreiber's character. It's interesting. I I I kind of was thinking along the lines of the he he got his revenge. He just didn't. 
And following that, a it was nowhere near as satisfying as he thought it would be. The he's now a killer, and his parents are still dead, and that's not the road he wants to go down. Um, so that's why, you know, he he shifts focus to let's bring in as many people. You know, find people if they stumble upon us, we're not going to turn anyone away. Um, which is interesting. You now they could have developed that that transition, like you say, a bit more because it is. This movie is a little over two hours long. They had time. Yeah, I yeah, I think that I think that, and I think that would have been, uh, I think that would have been a, a lot more interesting. Personally, it could very well have been uh, following because he comes ac- initially. He comes across as something of a well. It's, it's before you really know him, but he seems like a no nonsense kind of guy who's not going to take a lot. You know, doesn't take shit from anyone. Yeah, there's um, in the things i read at this point in time he's like a smuggler willing to break the law uh, looks like a tough guy you know he's been in some fights here or there you know drinks his drinks his vodka uh he's not exactly a kind of a, a gentle thoughtful intellectual right yeah that, that would have been a, uh, an interesting road to explore a bit more given that they did have time the the other oh and the police chief you know I felt nothing for the police chief. He here's a guy who um, he, you know, his police force has essentially been taken over by the Nazis and they're given a job to track down and find and bring in the Jewish population in the area. And although it, it would be distasteful if he did that job, one could almost understand uh, I have to do it. They ordered me to do it. I have a wife. I got kids. I got, you know, I can't imagine what they'll do to me if I refuse. But he enjoys it. Yes. He's having a good time. Yep. Uh, and he's enjoying it. So there's apps, even when he's down on his knees begging for his life like a like a coward. I don't care. Right. There's like, I feel nothing. Yes. The other scene I, I don't want to forget about. And again, I think this movie would be much less without this scene. That's the scene where they bring in the POW, the German. They capture a German soldier. Yes, I agree. I I know where you're going. And great scene. They just start spitting on him. A kick here, a kick there, a punch here, a punch there. The leadership has wandered away. Tuvia just kind of almost like too much to handle what to do with this guy walks away. The two intellectuals are in the crowd, but they're, you know, it's turning their stomach. The younger brother, Aaron, the 14 year old, he wanders away. I don't think Lee Schreiber's there at the time. No. So basically the people in the camp at the time end up just beating this guy to death. And it's a really, really interesting scene because as i'm watching it you you understand their their increasing rage yes it starts out like you know let's somebody says somebody suggests of course it's the intellectual right let's send it back do you promise not to tell them where we are right (laughs) right um and you know it, it, it increases and people are hitting him well i think one lady hits starts hitting him a couple of times with a stick while she emphasizes the, uh, her dead loved ones. Yes. 
And the soldier himself does not look like the typical Nazi in movies. You know, he's not Christopher Plummer. (laughs) (laughs) He's not not like a 45-year-old Christopher Plummer or, you know, Peter O'Toole or whatever. He's a kid. He's got blonde hair. He looks like he's about maybe 24, 25, 26. And you're sitting there and you're like, you don't know. Um, And the real sad part about it is you understand their rage. And I'd like to say I'm above what they did, but I can't put myself in that. I know that I'm ex- not. I know I'm not above that. That extreme position, right? Yeah. And but you don't know whether this guy is like the leading Nazi from his town. I mean, he's a soldier. He's in a Wehrmacht uniform. Right. He's not SS or anything. But you don't know if he's like you know one of the happiest like you know rah rah Nazis in his town, or, or is just drafted, tossed on the Eastern Front. And finds himself captured, and I, I just thought it was a, it was a, it was a really, really good scene. The way that played out, I can't, I can't find fault with the, with the Bielski, the the people who did what they did, but I do have a tinge of sympathy for this German soldier who might, again, might have been, you know, trying to live his life in some small town, gets drafted, finds himself, you know hundreds and hundreds of miles away in a foreign land being told to do things that you know he would never have done and you know you know given different circumstances and now he's surrounded by the victims of his nation and i just like wow i thought that was an excellent excellent scene and i gotta say you know as much as i'd like to think i may have tried to stop it or may have joined in i think i would have done a tuvia and just like I don't know what to do here. I I want to stop it. I don't want to stop it. I don't care. I'm kind of numb at this point and just wander away and let things take their course. Yeah, it, it is of course impossible for us to put ourselves in into that circumstance and and I think and accurately predict how we would how we would react. Um, but I tend to I, I tend to agree that even though I, I like to consider myself a humanitarian in many ways, um, it's kind of silly in my mind to think that somehow I would be immune from, you know, wh- where there is no other. So th- I, I think, you know, the, the, you know, arguments about the death penalty, right. And you, you remember back in whenever it was 84 and, Dukakis and the death penalty and you know well what happens if you know the murder of your wife you know wouldn't you want to see them executed no no of course you would right of course you want to see that happen and um if anybody did something horrible like that to my loved ones I'd want to see horrible things happen to them and I'm okay with that because I know that there is a state apparatus that does not allow for my very real, very understandable feelings and, and desires to do horrific things to people who have done horrific things to me, right? It's not gonna happen, right? Because the state is there and the state is gonna mete out the punishment in a humanita- as humanitarian way as society you know, deems appropriate. But without that constraint, 
it's hard to imagine many people having the ability to completely restrain themselves, right? And sure. say, you know, my own, you know, personal humanity and sense of myself is such that I'm not going to allow myself to do it. I don't know. For me, I, I kind of view those things as, as I said, I, I'm okay with my having those feelings and wanting to do that thing because I know the state is there and it's going to prevent me from doing it. But if I'm free of those constraints, I can't imagine how easy, <laughs> right, it would be to not restrain yourself and just go and allow it to happen. And, and I have to say, it is one of the things... It is one, one of the horrible things about any war um, that people tend to forget, which is the inhumanity that it causes. And I think is probably one of those things about PTSD that you just, you, you, it is very, very, very difficult for you to comprehend. Right. That part of part of the thing, right, that results in those horrible symptoms that that soldiers exhibit right after they've been in combat, I think, has to do with that shattering of the conception of basic humanity that goes along with with warfare. Yeah. I mean, you've seen that with so many Vietnam vets. You take uh, anybody, but imagine being a, again an eighteen-year-old draftee from Kansas. A couple couple months later, you're you're in South Vietnam, killing people who haven't done anything to you, getting shot at by people you haven't done anything to. Um, they're not in uniform, and you're you're there's atrocities on 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 both sides, and you're witnessing this some some of the worst things human beings can do to one another. And you know, a year before you were, uh, you're, you know, probably in high school trying to get laid. Yeah, and going to a movie, um, and the things you see, and maybe, and maybe felt forced to do, or, or maybe found yourself doing. You know, back home, it's it's just it's just gotta be be shattering. In this case, though, it's hard. You know, there's no judgment on my part. <laughs> I'm thinking you're you're cold, you're hungry. You've been yeah. driven from your home uh, by some foreign power. You probably have loved ones that you either are dead or you don't know their fate. Um, and you know, you, you get your hands on a a representative of the people who've done that to you. I don't know. <laughs> um, all bets are off. I don't. But you know, even though he's a German soldier, and <clears throat> ultimately. You know, um, what sympathy I have is, you know, muted. But in in this particular case, um, boy, you know, mob, uh, a mob out of hand is a scary thing. Oh yeah. Um, one wonders what 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 they would have done if one or two people tried to actively stop them. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you're right. Those those two scenes that you identified the the killing of the police officer towards the beginning and the 
treatment of the um, uh, treatment of the uh, the captured soldier were done. Both those scenes, I think, were I agree with you, were done really very well and um, captured something that you know was very nuanced and sensitive. That you know, done very well. I agree. Very good scenes. There was some um, controversy with this story. Um, apparently, more than one person accused the 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 family. The <clears throat> excuse me again. Uh, the Bielskis of you know being high handed, of looting, of having <laughs> you know saving up you know money from the looting. Um, you know, uh, being author, you know, being dictatorial in their in their leadership of the group, um, of you know, raiding local farmers and just basically taking what they wanted, um, you know, it, all sorts of things. They were Tuvi was brought up on charges by the Red Army because it did operate uh, at a certain point in time was operating as a wing of a so- Soviet partisan group uh right. he was he was cleared of <clears throat> he was cleared of the clear of the charges but they're not necessarily uh heroes to uh non-jewish poles apparently mm. there is some resentment about you know maybe taking uh more of what they needed and and, and things of that sort um and then what ultimately did happen which is just so par for the course, as usual, was as soon as the <laughs> what eventually separated them from the the Red Army, apparently, um, was towards the end of the war when the Germans had been pushed back. You know, the Red Army partisan groups started focusing their attention on the Poles, of course, Polish resistance groups who wanted a you know. A, a free Poland and, and, you know, and weren't communists or Marxists. So, you know, the second, the, the Germans have just left, you know, Germans have just, just left the yard. They start fighting each other. Yep. Um, and they eventually, but I think uh, two out of the three, the Jamie Bell character, that's the younger one who gets married. Yeah, he, yep. he, he was conscripted into the Red Army and died, like I think they said weeks later. From the story's end, yes. From the movie's end, so well, they, uh, no, no. After I think after the camp was ultimately liberated, so it was it was towards the end of the. I thought it was like in forty forty five. Okay, all right. Um, I must have misinterpreted that. Uh, Zeus made his way to New York City, um, followed by Tuvi. Eventually, they had a successful trucking company, and. Uh, the younger brother um, followed as well. So I think that Tuvia and Zeus also um, it, it, um, stopped over in in um, Israel. Israel, yes, and I, fought, I, fought with the um, fought with the in the Israeli army to um, secure independence of for Israel. I wouldn't mind having Zeus on my side in that fight. No, no, not at all. Not at all. One other scene I'm going to I'm going to um, I'm going to point out um, not because it was um, particularly good, but 
I, I just want to point it out because the movie did try to cover, you know, some of the, and I have no idea at all whether this was, this is historically accurate, but one of the things that, one of Tuvia's rules was there should be no children. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Yes. And there was a woman there who was pregnant um, but she was pregnant because she had been raped and I, by the Germans. Right. And um, she kind of hid her pregnancy uh, as best as she can and eventually had the baby. Then there's a scene of, you know, Daniel Craig, you know, well, the rule's been broken and his sort of girlfriend telling him, um, you know, you can't kick her out, right? Can't can't happen you can't do it it's inhumane and of course that's the ultimate decision is to to not kick them out i did not think that this those scenes were done particularly well personally um certainly not as good as the two scenes that you you had identified but it was another example i think of the movie trying not to shy away from uh you know some of the more difficult aspects of of what was going on and and to highlight some of those difficult choices uh that you that you have to make in those circumstances um and again one of those things as i was watching it again thinking about you know what's going on in in eastern europe now um it it, it kind of just the fact that that scene was there kind of set me up straight a little bit um, and I was, I was glad that it was in it again. I, I think they could have done it better, but, um, it, it was, uh, uh, it, it was a good moment. I thought. Yeah. I wish I thought it could have been set up better, <clears throat> but yeah. it was, it was, it was interesting. I thought the actress who played his girlfriend who would later become his wife, thought she did a good job. I think most people did, did a good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the oh, acting think the acting was good. Yeah, that's the acting solid. Yeah, the acting's not the issue. Um, you know, I I don't want to like start rating with stars, but I mean, <clears throat> I I would. This is a movie I would give like two and a half to three stars out of five. Um, I thought it was good, but again, this <laughs> there's a lot of good movies. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say it was very good, certainly not great. So it just falls into that. Um, probably saved mostly by the by the actors. Yeah, I think so. I think a couple of those good scenes, um, you know, good to have um, that some movies don't have. Um, I think one of the problems with this movie as well is that it, I don't think it quite knew what it wanted to be um, at a certain level. And the other is that there are some really good, this, you know, the, the, the plight of the Jews during the second world war kind of anywhere, you know, in the world, but particularly in Europe, um, is such a, a horrific topic. And it's so difficult to really wrap your arms around, um, and there are some good examples of films that really do a good job in capturing the personal side of it. Like, you know, there's Schindler's List, there's, there's tons of them. Um, 
um, even the uh, what's his name, the Italian guy. Like, what is it? Life is beautiful. I think. Um, right. Yeah. I it, uh, in some ways, uh, that movie I I think is maybe at a certain level the best of that that kind of film. And I think the one of the problems that I think I had with Defiance is that in light of all of those very, you know, those, those really strong examples, it didn't, I'll go back to what I said before, it didn't try to distinguish itself by really pointing to the, and highlighting and focusing on that power of the community and really making that the core of the movie. Now, I, I don't, I don't want to overstate this because of course that was a, a significant element in the movie and in the storytelling of the movie. I just think that it, it could have been more of a focal point, more of the, more of a um, refined point of tension even you could have made it between Daniel Craig and Lee Schreiber. Um, more of a focal point of the tension, the internal tensions within the community, right, with the one bad guy who was there. Um, they could have, I think, made that element of the story and the, and the power of that, um, uh, of that coming together much more crystalline, and I think, or not crystalline, but much more pointed, and um, I think made a unique movie um, that could have been extremely compelling in its own right, but for a different reason. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you to to a certain extent. I would have liked to have seen more Nazi more, <laughs> more what more Nazi killing. <laughs> Always, but you can't have you can't you can't have too much of that. Can't have too uh, much of that. No. But I'm always interested in the, the if somebody's going to try to form a society, I'm always interested in the a little more of the particulars about that formation, whether it's you know, watching something like The Walking Dead, which is straightforward, you know, fantasy horror yeah. um, and trying to rebuild the community. I kind of like those. Maybe maybe the average person would get a little bit bored, but I kind of like those those uh, details about, hey, you know. You say, you know, we're going to do A, B, and C, but have you thought about this? And what does that really mean? And is it possible? And things like that. But, you know, it's also, you know, it's a movie. You need movement. You need character yeah. development. You need things You need things that happen other than the two intellect. I got to tell you something. Those two intellectuals, I, you know, ultimately I like their characters, but if I was there sawing wood to create a bunker you know, that was barely shelter. And these two are talking about communism and Marxism and the collective and things like that. I mean, I, I, I might've shot somebody right there. <clears throat> uh, um, there's nothing more annoying than a, a, a political idealist. <laughs> and even though he has a character change, but you don't really see it that much. Um, yeah. he, he does become a little grittier and, and does, does what, what needs to be done this um not unlike you and me although i'm not praising this movie uh but i uh, apparently think it's better than you do it did open to mixed reviews and one of the um one of some people some critics thought it was was good i don't think there was a critic who said you know this is an outstanding movie rush out to see it 
I don't think it had really wide, huge release. It certainly wasn't. It, it didn't own the summer <laughs> when it came out. Um, one of the criticisms said that it implied that if more Jews fought back, more would be alive today. Almost like uh, you know the the Tuvia or the um, Zeus character was shaming survivors, saying you know you were too passive. And, and look what happened. I didn't get that vibe at all. I, I don't think that's a fair, really a fair criticism. I don't think. I didn't either. Yeah, I, I yeah. Although, although I will say that I think that the, I think that the, um, um, fables of the French resistance compared with the fables of Jewish resistance <laughs> are probably topsy-turvy, right? That there was a lot more going on in terms of, you know, it was a whole lot more than just the, you know, the, the ghetto uprising that, you know, people probably know about and more than just the Bilskis. You know, all over the place, there were um, efforts, almost all of them unsuccessful in the broader scheme, but I, I think that there's a there's a fiction that has crept into accepted fact of history that um, you know there 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 wasn't a, a you know a lot of resistance on the part of the Jews. I, I just think that that I, it's my understanding that that's just kind of wrong. If you go back and you look at the historical record, there's a lot actually a lot of examples of 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 those efforts, as I said. You know, it's hard. I mean, you know, you're a farmer or, you know, uh, an accountant and you decide to take up arms against a well-oiled military machine. Chances are good you're not going to fare well, right? I mean, well, chances so, are good you'll be dead within three days. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is which is generally what happened. And but there were lots of examples of that happening. And 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 in the movie, I did not get this i mean i got the sense of there was that one scene when daniel craig is in the ghetto speaking with um uh the the leader that's right and he's he's kind of saying hey you got to come out and and the leader of the ghetto is saying the only weapon we really have is time you know we just have to stay alive and, and last um it, it certainly has to be reflective of an attitude but uh, i don't think that it kind of demonstrated some uh you know you know inherent complacency right um at all i i didn't i did not get that i did not get that um perception at all no i didn't i, I didn't either perhaps there's uh, <clears throat> a better a better film out there to do it i mean i recently when i say recently in the past six or ten months i believe i watched a made-for-TV movie that was probably circa 1990s on the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, which is a fascinating, fascinating um, a, a story. But I didn't really want to go and, and watch that again because we, you know, we all know the uh, the outcome. We, yeah. we we just wanted to do something. There's not much the average American can do you know we watch and see what's going on in ukraine and for a lot of us we just kind of like you know see what's going on and pound the 
pound the countertops and, and want our country to do more, but then, you know, how much more? And so just, you know, the thing we wanted to do today was just talk about a movie that kind of exemplified some type of defiance, resistance, uh, David versus Goliath type of type of thing. And I got to say, <clears throat> this group was not operating um, like I said before, this group is not operating as a high high intensity partisan group, destroying railroads and cutting down telephone wires and things like that. So I mean, they did some of that over the course of of the years, but primarily they were just trying to save as many of their their fellow, um, be really their neighbors as possible. And Germans seem to spend a lot of effort to track, you know, to to push them out. Yeah. It's like, don't you guys have a, aren't you fighting the Russians? You know, yeah. Aren't you fighting the, the English? Aren't you? Yeah. This, that effort to, to take out this at the time was probably a group of what? 150, 200, maybe mostly, mostly old men, women and young kids. It's a critical yeah. element of state policy. <laughs> Yes, they're so efficient. Uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, send word out to uh, our Ukrainian uh, friends. Wish them well. Yes. Yes. Um, it's very disheartening to see what's going on. And, and 2022 ends. Their cities are just being 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 leveled. But we wanted to wish to something. Uh, we've donated money to to a group, you know, to help some of the refugees. Um, hope uh, as many people out there as possible can do that. And um, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. But ultimately, I think, I think in whatever way, shape, or form, ultimately, uh, the Ukrainian people are going to are going to prevail. I think that that's true because I think that the Ukrainian people are not interested in rejoining a what essentially would be a former Soviet Union. I also find it remarkable um, that one of Vladimir Putin's justifications for this is that he's fighting the Nazis in the Ukraine. (laughs) (laughs) President Zelensky's, you know, ancestors, you know, are are people who were killed in the Holocaust and is himself Jewish. And of course that Putin himself is acting more like the Nazis than anybody else in in the modern era. Um, And it and it's also, I think um, I will I will I will provide a little bit of just a short little bit of political narrative and just say um, that what Putin is doing in the Ukraine, I think, is an example of what happens when countries are unwilling to risk a bit for a greater good. Um, And I'm one who believes that if the world had reacted more firmly to previous examples of Vladimir Putin's aggressiveness, not just in the Ukraine with the Crimea, but in other places, that he would not have felt that he had such a free hand to do such a thing. 
and that unfortunately, in my opinion, the world needs to be vigilant about the bullies who are able to act with impunity because they assume for themselves dictatorial powers and feel compelled for whatever reason to assert their um, their power in, in various ways. Um, it's very distressing to see this all happening and to know that there are historical precedents for this kind of behavior that we seem not to have learned from. And unfortunately, given the state of weaponry available to the Russians, the Americans, and, and many others, the Ukrainians are paying the price for the general policy of appeasement that the world has shown towards Putin and the ace that he has in the hole, which is a massive nu nuclear arsenal that no one's quite sure whether he's willing to use. So it's a sad state of affairs and, and it's sadder still for the Ukrainians who are suffering from, in my opinion, the lack of resolve for the rest of the world. Well, like I said, I think things are going to get a lot worse. And in a conventional sense, the Ukraine may lose, but ultimately I think um, uh, Putin's got a tiger by the tail. Yep. So I agree. I agree. We can only uh, keep our fingers crossed. Um, we have a, does anyone visit our Twitter page? I try to, but I oftentimes forgot. What's our, what's our Twitter account? Oh, something. <laughs> isn't it uh rt something twitter dot something <laughs> it's there i i i have it i have i am the it department and i'm not very good <laughs> at being the it department i apologize to all the world but it is there um and it is yeah art art T W T 2022, I believe, is the <laughs> Twitter handle. Is our crack IT department trying to yes. remember the <laughs> trying to remember the Twitter handle? Well, I, I should talk. I, I I often forget we have one. I think the last time I went was like three weeks ago. Ah, I've been busy. Yes, what no. Re, RTWT um, 2022. Um, I'm getting better at uh, at posting and also. Um, uh, and we do follow some some other good. I, I, we're we're following some other good podcasts that are out there, so you will see some retweets that we do of of some other good podcasts. So it's definitely yeah, did, worth your I, while. Yeah. I did see that some of those some of those I I I, I do enjoy. Um, yeah, but if you have any suggestions for books or movies, send them along. Um, yes, we'll take a look. Can't promise anything because we got a bit of a schedule. I think we dropped this one. Uh, I think in the future, not too distant, we'll be doing Lion in Winter, the film. And also coming up soon, we did a one episode, but we discussed two short stories, one by Robert E. Howard called Pigeons from Hell and one by Carl Edward Wagner called Sticks. So if you just happen to maybe know those stories or have them, or have them available. You could read before I drop that. Before we drop that episode, Lion and Winter's coming up. Um, 
a listener told me, Dale, that we should um, try to let people know what we're doing in the future. I told her sometimes we don't even know. But <laughs> now that we have, I can tell you the, the some of the ones, you know, if you if you like this, if you like this podcast and want to actually watch or read something before we end up discussing it, we have those two things coming up. We got Capricorn one oh, coming yeah. up. We have Andromeda strain. Yeah. And um, do, do we have some books we can we can we can? Well, yes, we have the the two short stories I just mentioned. That's one yes. episode. Then we have the we have March Violets. March Violets, yes, coming up. Um, I may be missing something. Well, we we have some eventually also coming up, but we yes. we don't have to mention those. I have to go back into our library to see if I. If I missed something, and we just yeah we we just dropped uh, daughter time a couple right. days ago so yes all right uh, I don't really feel like doing a read this while I'm a little depressed now I don't want to do a read the or um what are you reading what are you watching fair um, enough we could do the save that next time and I'll drop this episode we'll get this out sometime in the next couple of days and 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 just pass it off as a as a one off um you know as trying. A yeah, it's special. Trying to discuss something that's somewhat topical, yeah. and um, but this you know this whole topic actually ends up depressing me. So, gonna have to do a comedy soon. I'm for that. All right, Ben. Have a good night. Thanks for joining us. Bye bye. <laughs>